0: What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber, Lyft, Driver, and Gig Economy News, sponsored by Curry.com. I'm your host, SJ. Let's get it on. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Ride Share Rodeo. Um I feel like I just was talking to you guys a couple days ago, and a couple days before that, and a couple days before that. And that's because three episodes came out last week. So if you got a little confused, um, I was just playing a little catch up with some bonus episodes. Uh this Friday is the kickoff of the TNC Radio.live Friday nights. I'll put all the info in the show notes. Um, make sure to check it out. Uh, it'll be Jason Thierry, myself, and uh, two of the guys from TNC Radio in Houston. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. And we are kind of going to be designing it on the go. But there's an 800 number you can call in. I think we can bring you in through other ways, too. You can come in and just chat. Um, but yeah, it's so... Up in the air right now as to what this is and what it's going to be. So, um, you know, get in this week and the next, the you know, all these starting weeks, and help us form what this is. So, it could be something really cool. Anyway, this week I have uh, Red Conrad on the show, and uh, Red runs his own business, um, as we all do. But Red really goes out of his way to make sure that he is running his own business and understands that gig work is you are your own boss you this is your business if you choose to work for a bunch of platforms great if you choose to work for one i mean if that's what's working for you great um but we talk a little bit with red and why he has some strategies and what they are and uh yeah he's up in northern florida and um but first i want to i just want to hit on a couple things so any of you all ever heard of bumped so uh Bumped um is a is a tech company that has a mission to create ownership economy via stock rewards. Um uh, so basically they've been doing this and they've been doing a pilot program and uh the big here here's the headline for the article I'm looking at right now. What happened what happens when Bumped Makes Lyft riders owners of the rideshare company. Riders pick a lane, giving Lyft a twenty percent share of wallet increase over Uber. So, this supposedly is a study. I think it's University of Columbia. Let me just confirm. Um, uh, the Columbia School of Business, um, independent study in February of 2021 was when it started. Um, four bumped and um. So what's going on here is that it it kind of builds into like a lot of the things we've seen with like Uber, Lyft, whatnot, where they offer you you know like monthly plans, and then you know you get a certain amount of rides and whatnot. Well, that's kind of what Bump did. So let me let me see if I can uh, put something together a little bit here. So over a two year uh, data study, Bumped automatically reward. Rewarded users in a um, fractional shares of Lyft or Uber stock. Uh, so when when they spent with the company, so participants could only earn stock in one of the two brands. On average across the category, customers who became owners of the rideshare brand spent almost thirty dollars more monthly, and an increased, and increased their monthly rides by twenty four percent. So. These people who are taking advantage of this, so they you know this pilot program was only designed to you know do you want to do your rewards in Lyft or Uber? So the way this is working is trying to get you to not be price warring the two and to get you know to know to pick a brand and stick with it and so I'm not really sure how it works in with like Lyft and Uber allowing this again, it was just a sp- a study. I don't know. Um, So it might not even work in with them. This might have been a private study. Uh, I know that it wasn't a huge number of people. I think it was like 16,000 or something. Um, 13,000 US customers. Okay. Um, So basically what happened though was they were trying to determine um, which of the two platforms people would be loyal to. And so by choosing this, you were getting a little bit of ownership in the company with the money you were spending... And you were getting discounts on rides, all the some perks here and there, whatever. But here's the interesting part: at the end, the findings showed that more people were that were doing this were loyal to um, Lyft, not Uber. And uh, I know you might be thinking that, well, why is that shocking? I, I'm just shocked because I don't think. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of Uber, and I don't want to say that they're the best out there, but. I, I have my questions if Lyft is better, um for sure. I mean and as I've said many times on the podcast, I am for years I was um I you know, I was driving both platforms, but I only drove Lyft because it was better, I was making more money, um just everything was was better. And uh then it, they kind of started following the Uber model, you know, um, about four or five four five years ago. And I remember when it happened and it uh, it changed the whole game for how you earned out here in Denver. But David Nelson, the CEO and founder of Bumped, is the person uh, that I'm going to try and get in touch with and bring on the show because I'm kind of interested to know, again, it was only, you know, the bump pilot program just ran for like a year and it rewarded 13,000 U.S. consumers in fractional stock rewards when they spent at more than 80... At more than eighty brands. So, um, but there was other ways too, where you could refer people and get people under you and all this kind of stuff. So they were. I'd, I I want to look into this, and the independent study study link is here, and I will include that link in the show notes. So um, check it out. I mean, I don't know. It's an interesting thing. I knew about Bumped a little a little ways back, but um, it's it's on the radar now. I'm, I'm curious what's going on with them. And over in the UK, uh, what do we got here? Yeah, the UK, the um, Uber drivers are to be eligible for pensions, okay? And also, um, Brits using Uber, and this is a CNBC uh, headline, Brits using Uber and other taxi apps face long waits and fare hikes amid driver shortage, which is really odd because, as I always say, um, I think that the UK is usually in front of where we are with the gig economy. And so I would have thought that their driver shortage that we went through would have already happened to them. I don't know, you know, I'm curious if this, and especially after the worker classification happened, um, like I always tell you, I put my finger on the pulse over there in the UK, got a couple people that uh, work the platforms over there who I'm in touch with and you know, I'm 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 definitely looking into this because I'm wondering if this ties into the worker classification and are they is it a different situation than what we are facing here? Because we're already getting out of our driver shortage. That's already becoming not a problem almost everywhere. So are the Brits facing it because of the new worker classification? Because I know that Uber and Lyft have not or not Lyft, sorry, Uber and the other companies over there um have not been doing what they're supposed to be doing and uh you know it's just kind of the model of what they do as they roam the co- roam the continent or roll the world roam the world uh but anyway um yeah, i don't know i don't I, I how can they have a driver shortage if they just went to a worker classification I mean, it's just weird to me unless people are having issues getting paid or unless as we've worried about um Something happened to Flex, and I'm waiting to hear back from my friend Morad in London, um, because if anything happened to Flex Hours, this headline news that I'm seeing in a few articles is way off the beaten path of where it should be, which is on the fact that, uh, you know, if you took away Flex, that's why you have a driver shortage, so... (laughs) If you listen to last week's gig economy podcast, uh I was on there with Jason Thierry and we and we were actually talking about this very thing. Or maybe it was when he was on here. I don't know. We've been back and forth on each other's lately, but um here's this story again about how Uber is, you know, um looking at profit profitability. So I have to look past the headline and say, are they though cuz you know this is always a big question and we brought up some of the things we thought were odd the first time so let's let's look at this so basically uber piled up 23 billion dollars in losses the company said last week that it could generate up to 25 million in earnings this quarter so again different categories people after piling up 23 billion in losses the company said that it could generate up to 25 million in earnings this quarter. So there's a few there's a few problems with this though. Here's here's some of the issues or here's some of the ways that they're trying to get to that 25 million profit and let's see how y'all feel about this. So to start with, the company also said it could lose 25 million this quarter depending on how the books shake out. <laughs> I'm sorry I had, I had to laugh at that on the book shake just goes back to Jason and I talking about second set of books <laughs> um getting to 25 million in earnings requires overlooking a bunch of expenses such as uh interest payments legal reserves certain compensation costs asset impairments acquisition costs and restructuring charges so that's a lot of stuff to be overlooking to be able to get to your profit, and depending on the bookings. It sounds to me, here's what I get from this. They really, 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 really want to show this profit. They really want to show this profit. But they they just, you know, I mean, they're going to have to go to like these lengths to do it. We'll see how the bookings shake out. And, you know, if we don't, um, if we overlook all of these expenses and interests and legal reasons, so it's a lot of juggling. It's a lot of maneuvering. If they do get to it, it'll just be barely and yet yeah, almost have to look at it as fake. I mean, it maybe lets you know that they're getting closer, but to me, I would think they'd even want to take just one more lost quarter if they're really creeping up on it like that, because- Yes, of course. The original 2008 uh, venture capitalists, investors, and angel funds, and anything of such who invested in this who has not got out or has turned profit from their buyout and got back in, or whatever. Of of course, they're they're wanting profits now. This is what we knew when they went public. But to me, it's like they're just trying to like do everything they can to maneuver over a profit line. And if you're really this close, just have one more close a uh, uh, close quarter and then next quarter grab it. Because, I mean, you've been doing this for, you know, 2008 was when they started investing, you know, about nine, ten. So, I mean, you've been doing this for over 10 years and only, what, three years public, two and a half years public, three years public. So, I mean, <laughs> there's never been a profit ever. So, why scrape past it right now? I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I just think they should more earn it and just for once, just let the news play out that they came really close. It's still an improvement. So like me, you've probably seen a lot of headlines that say like, you know, and this has been forever, you know, is, to, is Uber too big to fail? Um, and obviously the answer is no. Any Any company could fail. So is Uber too big to fail? No, but um, they are worldwide. They do have a way of spreading their money, even though they're not into profitability. They have a way of uh, of just you know, keeping it afloat. And one of the ways that they do that, and because I have people ask me all the time, so I want to bring up something that I saw in the news today um, that just kind of brings it to to point with me is that, so like, um, okay, in South Carolina, Anderson County, uh, Anderson County has signed a contract with Uber to help those struggling with transportation to work. So the reason I point this out is because this happens in a lot of cities lately. I mean, Uber even has technology deals with city buses and other things. They've got their hand in with so many cities. So even when we get this new in, in like other transportation things and other in other ways, where they're kind of already in bed with the city. So even if they cause problems, disruptions, issues, it's probably, I mean, it depends on the state, I'm sure, but it's probably a little more overlooked than others. Because when you do things like this and have a program that helps get people uh, who are struggling, trying to get back on their feet to work, well, those programs are paid for by the city and state. And we all know that Uber's willing to cut those city and state deals almost down to nothing because it puts them in the legal pockets to have any kind of out they need when they need it. So it's like that get out of jail free card. It's kind of like a we get to do anything we want card that they get to put away when they do programs like these. And they do them all over the country. And I just wanted to point that out because a lot of times people are like, how are they? You know, they will fail. They will fail. Any companies are too big to fail. I don't think Uber will because Uber has these type of relationships that no other rideshare has. No other company (laughs) has. I mean, even the on-demand food delivery space has, you know, and except for Uber Eats tied into Uber. But really, it's always a ride this is always a rideshare thing. When it was medical pre-pandemic, it was a rideshare thing. When it was, you know, helping out to go get shots, vaccinated, tested, it was a pandemic thing. But it's and it's always rideshare though. So, you know, just take that with a grain of salt that these are the type of things that secure their place as almost too big to fail, even though they're not. <laughs> so um that said, uh, you know, there's mixing stories about Lyft. However, um with Uber, uh, you know, some of the people who asked me that in their own right you're probably somewhat right because of these type of deals but you know let's see let's time will tell all right two quick stories um that kind of relate uh to safety <laughs> so this um this morning in San Bernardino um an uber driver's window was shot out on the highway 10 freeway Uh, while passengers were in the car. So um, there's one of the stories. And again, there's so many of these guys, it it gets ridiculous. But um, being from Michigan myself um, and some of the ways that we talk about on the podcast and uh, about how you're able to name your account, how you're able to use pictures of whatever you want, um, handles that aren't real names, all this stuff. Uh, So... On Friday, three Detroit men... So here's the headline from, um, from the Detroit News. So three Detroit men sentenced for attacking, carjacking, lift driver at gunpoint. Okay, so um, three Detroit men have been sentenced to prison after carrying out a scheme to attack and carjack a lift driver at gunpoint, officials said. So um, here's the kicker, though. So the 66-year-old lift driver um received a ride request around 4 a.m. Friday, so Thursday into Friday morning um from a customer whose handle or you know name that came up to the driver was Ghetto Boy um to pick up the three men in the area of eight mile and I seventy five in Detroit. First of all, dude, I know Detroit very well. I'm born and raised in Michigan Um, I've been out in Colorado for, you know, almost as long as I lived in Michigan it's a split life, but, um, I got to say like 4 a.m. on a Friday morning, picking up ghetto boy at eight mile and I-75, I don't know about that, but, uh, any of my Detroit people that want to fact check me or like tell me that this is a up and coming area, um, I am more than happy to have that debate with you on the podcast, so come Contact me and come on, on and we'll talk. But uh, also the guy, the driver was driving a black 2007 Cadillac Cadillac Escalade. So, I mean, they took their ride and then when they got out, one of the guys walked around, um, started punching the driver, opened his door, pulled him out, um, the works and the usual story. And they all got caught and we're waiting to see how they get sentenced. And oh, man, when does it end? Um, so next I want to talk about a couple things coming up next week, I have Ron from entree Courier on the podcast, and we will be talking about uh some of the tax changes for um app on demand app based gig workers hence or i e all of us. so um, there are some tax changes to the ten ninety nine form and Ron and I are going to go through them with you the week after. Um now this, so that'll be the first that's the that'll be October. Um the, the 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 Ron one plays. And then the week after um we have Vina Dubal on to discuss worker classification and uh see where that conversation goes as well. Um the week after that I have Hannibal is hungry. And the week after that, to finish off the month, I am trying to get together a bunch of curry drivers. To come on and you know at least three or four and have a conversation with them veteran ones who you know drive different size vehicles and different markets that kind of thing Uh, since Curry's been my sponsor I told them that was something I wanted to do Um, I've seen a lot of good posts for Curry lately Uh, some of the people that have signed up through my through my link um, have. Have noticed uh, that they're finally getting some rides. It, again, people, it's tough, but if you get on it, you know, you'll grab them and they're worth it. There are a lot, they're a high paying gigs. So get on there, sign up through my link. By the way, on some of the show notes, my link is messed up. So I will be going back and correcting any of those and making them all work. Um, I just noticed there was a couple that were broken. So I will fix those. Uh, but this week, you will be able to click on. There's a click on. Sign up for Curry Man. See it, it doesn't hurt. We all work all the gigs, so check it out. See what they pay. See what I'm talking about. Um, you know, love the fact that you don't have to load your car. Love the fact that you don't have to unload your car, and just uh, you're just driving from A to B, and the the loading and unloading's done, and you don't have passengers and you don't have food. So I'll leave it at that. Um, by the way, in if If you haven't got around to listening to the three podcasts from last week, the one that's the weekly and then the two bonus episodes, um, I did talk about how I did my first curry day um, last Friday as a ride along. And this Friday, I'll be doing it alone and I will be shooting video and who knows, maybe even getting on some Podbean and doing a a little bit of a live stream in part of the day. I don't know i will keep you updated so uh yeah so from we'll just leave it at that so curry people check it out curry.com click the link on my, on the show notes and uh get signed up all righty so let's uh let's find red conrad and bring him on so this week um is a little bit different i have a gig worker in the gig economy um that we're all in who uh, kind of runs a bunch of businesses off his businesses. And it's something we talk about often here on the show is, you know, this is your own business. If you're fighting for independent contractor and you want to be in that majority who wants to keep that independent contractor status um, and be able to do a multitude of things, uh, you know, then basically this is a perfect example of that. I mean, like, his name is Red Conrad, and before I move on any farther, I'd like to thank him for coming on today. Thank you, Red.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, um, basically, I mean, this is what we talk about a lot: is that you know, Prop Twenty Two, AB Five, what is what's happened around in happening California and is being and isn't really going so well is being used as a model on, you know, in Massachusetts right now. And it's also being used as a model, as a, as a, as a example for the pro act. And it's always been a weird thing when we talk about that, because I try and take both sides and understand, but it really is kind of using a, not failed, but you know, it's just, it's not a good model what they tried to do. And it, it and it will take away from all of us having the freedom of flex earning. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about with Red today, because he's a perfect example of somebody who has a multitude of things going on. But not only that, he's condensed it into his own website. And uh, and some of it's pretty interesting. So, um, you know, he's got his delivery service, he's got uh, his ride share, he's got, um, you know, and then there's a, a sort a, a assorted other businesses he's got going on, on here, too. So, this is a perfect example because this is the kind of, this is how I live too. I have many different gigs. So um, I guess, Red, uh, what, how long have you been doing the gig economy first?
1: Uh, well, the ride and delivery I started three years ago. Um, mm-hmm. I really got into it because I had a fish market prior, but then the state of Florida changed regulations on me and I couldn't afford the new regulations. So upon shutting that down, I needed money quick, so I got a temporary job working at, at a local Circle, Circle K, and then one of my friends was doing Uber, so I had to purchase my my van. Somehow the car died, so figuring I had a new vehicle, why not jump into that? I hated Uber. Started with Lyft. <laughs> did Lyft for a year and a half, two years, and while I was doing Lyft, I was I branched out into Instacart, which in the beginning was okay. Mm-hmm. So I went into uh, DoorDash, um, Point Pickup, and a few others. And that's kind of how I rolled into my own <laughs> service. Um, but I've been doing delivery about a year, year and a half. Right. Oops.
0: So on the rideshare side, like if I go if I go to your, um, let me see if I can do this. If I go to your rideshare link on here. So if I go to redconrad.com. It actually takes you to, it'll relocate you to his landing page, um, which is a, is, is a different thing, but probably easier just for everybody to remember. RedConrad.com will take you to basically the base of all of his businesses. So, but then if I click rideshare, share, um, it says that you only do your area. I see, um, you know, your Uber, Lyft, traditional taxi alternative. Um, and all this has links, people, you can read all about this, but so i mean i guess the first question that comes to mind is um are you obviously you're obviously covering carrying the right insurance which many drivers don't we know but you're carrying a commercial license are you doing some of this on your own is this like when you say you're uber lyft but i can like i can you know i can get a book a ride or whatever. When I'm doing that, am I doing that through your, like an LLC, or am I doing that through traditional rideshare apps?
1: Well, technically, it's through me. It means my service, but I'm using the ride Connect platform. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before.
0: The, what um, is it? Ride Connect. Okay.
1: Um, it's, they've been out for a while, but the developers have been kind of slow adding features and whatnot to it. Um, but you can go on there to start your own ride uh, rideshare network which is what i did though he will tell you as you set up your account to make sure you have whatever you, your local area requires you know insurance wise and all that crap because it's not uber lift it's your, your own your own thing he just provides the platform for you to connect to your passengers
0: The i want to pause there because the funny thing is is that what red's talking about you're all supposed to have anyway um we talk about this on the show often but uh People think that because you have Uber and Lyft, um, you know, that you don't need that. You really do need to tell your insurance company and work with them because they have different plans and it really doesn't cost that much more these days to have the basics. But if you get caught without it, it could cost you the rest of your earnings for life. So <laughs> I would highly recommend to talk to your insurance agent. It's not a, it's not faux pas. It's not something you shouldn't discuss, but uh, go ahead. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna follow up with you on that. Uh, I have a friend that like I told you, I was that got me into Uber in the first place. Mm-hmm. She didn't carry any extra coverage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she got into an accident, personal accident, personal time with the family going out to see other family members. And because her insurance company found out that on the side, she's also doing Uber, even mm-hmm. though it was a personal accident, mm-hmm. because she didn't have the extra coverage, she kind of got screwed out of that. Yeah. So, <laughs>
0: hey man, I've, you know, we've heard of people getting. Um, you know, like me, I make sure that these days I don't have stickers. Everything is something that, you know, if it's Uber, Lyft, whatever it is, it's, it's just kind of a magnet <laughs> that I right. put on when I'm using it. Cause we've heard of too many stories where people just having a Lyft sticker, getting in an accident with passengers, their insurance was going, well, you're driving for Lyft. Cause they'd send an adjuster out, see the car smash, see the lift on the window and know that that was almost an out for them. Right. So it's it's a horror story that again, people, yeah, I mean, there he just gave another example. So the girl who was doing it didn't have the right in, insurance had she been in an accident with passengers, but this was with just her personal need of the car and might've been taken advantage of because of having that lift sticker. So you can have it and it's not a big deal. Just make sure you call your insurance agent. I know that, you know, when I started in 2014, it was, it was a, it was a, of a kick up to get commercial insurance but these days they do have an insurance that uh you know they've got some kind of it's a it's more of a midway point you don't have to pay what you had to in the beginning so these days it's a lot better well,
1: if you're doing just uber or lyft all you need is the ride or, or the ride or some insurance companies call it but if you're doing your own thing there's most insurance companies confuse the terminology which screws up a lot of costs of their customers but there's a business insurance and then the commercial insurance the commercial insurance is a mm-hmm. high top end if, if it's only you and your personal vehicle, all you need is the business insurance. Mm-hmm. And if you and if you bring that up to an insurance agent and they tell you it's the same thing, get another agent because they don't know what they're talking <laughs> about. Business insurance and commercial insurance are two different things. Commercial insurance you need if you're your own LLC with, with, the, with over five vehicles in your fleet. But if it's just you using your personal vehicle, it would be the business insurance. It's more expensive than personal, but it's less expensive than the commercial.
0: But you're using the business for one vehicle. And that's okay, right? Okay.
1: The minute the minute I hire on a fleet, and I my company owns a fleet, then I got to go the next step up with the insurance. Right, but, but I mean, like
0: again, I guess what I'm trying to get at, since we hit on this, was that I remember a time when people were just onboarding and making so much money and not even paying attention, and we got, you know, if if you're thinking you don't need it, remember this is the same company that gave you no training no training videos, nothing, just told you you're onboarded, background check done, download the app, turn it on, go. I yeah. mean, other, other than that, you had to get onto YouTube. You had to get onto all these other platforms and find your own how-to information if you really wanted to learn stuff because, yeah. they, could, because they couldn't, people, because we've talked about this. By doing so, they would then be calling you an employee. And we've even debated the fact of like, um, even though they're needed, the sexual misconduct videos that Uber and Lyft make you watch almost make you an employee by that because they, as I see, they shouldn't be able to make you watch anything, but that's another story. But regardless the days of uh, just trying to make a bunch of money and see what happens, really just call your insurance. Um, I'm sure they'll work a deal out with you, especially if you have any kind of record with them going back any amount of time. And you'll be surprised how little it is to be fully covered.
1: Yeah. I mean it, it we'll makes sense.
0: It makes sense. they of course they want to know what you're doing. <laughs> They're your insurance provider. So they want to know if you're, you know, traveling with passengers and things of that nature. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so people can book through you. You've got your you've got your own LLC set up. Um, so obviously, you know, that's kind of that's kind of how I was too, you know. Like I had some um uh, they moved to the new Denver airport way out. So back in the day, I had a bunch of pilots who just were like, they, they must've gotten too many bad Uber Lyft drivers. Cause my, my vehicle was always spotless, cleaned, awesome. Right. And so they would just be like, Hey, can you, you know, when I need a ride and they need like a ride two to three times in a week or no times one week, but they were just pilots. So they needed to get out there a lot. Right. And I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Just call me, you know? And so I kind of just kind of had a ha- handshake thing going with some of these guys and, uh, um, luckily i do have an llc as something else but you know i if if i went back to a service like that i would do what you're doing i would actually register the service but um you know i'm sure that you've picked up a lot of people who obviously for you to do that it's been some uber Uber, lyft customers wanting to know if they can book you and that's not a bad thing it's just uh that's what happens. That's what, that's the nature of, I mean, if you're in an Uber, they want to know what the lift rates are. If you're in a Lyft, they want to know what the Uber rates are. So of course what you do for them is much better. Cause I was looking and like, you can like almost schedule a day. Cause I yeah. see like grocery shopping tasks, errands. I mean, basically so I can look at each one of these and I can tasks errands. Okay. That's a uh, um, roadie or one of the, uh, one of those, you know, uh, local delivery, that's instacart that's um you know uh probably food delivery would be in this too i don't know in one but it's like every one of yours is all the different niches of uh of uh the gig economy and it's just it's just rather cool do you do you make most of your money through your website through booking
1: sort of i mean more of it comes into the delivery service and the ride service Mm -hmm. Um, but. Pre COVID, a lot of it was rides. <laughs> it was brilliant. Well, I background. meant
0: I meant rideshare delivery. We're the gig, we're a gig economy podcast, even though it's called Rideshare Rodeo. I mean, that's because we're most of my background. I just mean through all of it. So yeah, let's take delivery on then and say, I mean, are you doing more through your delivery site now that you're a ways in, as opposed to just getting on the platforms?
1: Right now it's probably pretty even. Uh huh. Um, but I am in the process of working on expanding my business. So hopefully with the expansion will come more business, and more revenue. So I can hopefully, uh, break free of the, of the gig platforms.
0: <laughs> right. Well, I just asked because I want, you know, I know that a lot of people, especially with the shopping and stuff like that's why we've had people like, you know, we had the CEO of dumpling on the podcast too, you know, that's a platform where a lot of gig workers would be confused because it is your own business right out of the gate. And you got to run it. You got to build your customer base. But I, I've just, I would think that people who get a good shopper or a good delivery driver, and then were to land on your site and see that you do it all, would be, you know, like this is great. And if they, if they already had a good encounter with you, I mean, why wouldn't they use you for all these services? Right. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, I've had horrible drivers. I've had great drivers. I've had horrible deliveries. I've had great deliveries. You know, it's are those people putting in the extra effort? And when you meet those people, you know, I always, you know, I mean rideshare especially, I was a I was I would I would always tip, but I would tip really well if if the car was clean and the driver could read my what whatever was going on with me at the time and um you know, either conversation or no conversation or whatever I you know I would tip accordingly, but I always tipped good regardless. So um, but I would think that you would be doing Great because you'd be landing somebody and then you could, you know. I don't know how you advertise it, so I'm being careful around this. But, you know, I'm if you stapled a card or, you know, anything, or if you followed up with people, or if you had them in your ride share and were able to say, Hey, I do everything, by the way, and you're taking them home from the airport, all that kind of stuff, I would think would play into, you know, you just being able to build something really awesome.
1: Yeah, if it comes up in conversation, I'll bring it up. Right. I also have business cards and uh, I advertise a lot on Facebook. Right. So lately, Facebook has been giving me issues. Um, Next week is the one-year anniversary for the delivery service. So I was trying to promote a a really big discount in celebration of, of being in business for a year. And I had like four or five attempts. I tried to get that ad posted, and it wouldn't post. Facebook then gets back to me today telling me that it goes against their community guidelines. It's like, I'm offering discount on my services. How does that go against community guidelines? I'm trying to celebrate an anniversary here.
0: Maybe maybe you need to contact them back with the um the rideshare that you are connect the rideshare company you're connected through that lets you do the LLC. I forgot its name already.
1: The rideshare is um rideconnect.
0: Ride Connect. Maybe uh, you need to say, I'm Hey, I used Ride Connect to, to do this. I'm a legitimate business. My guess is they saw rideshare in you and they were like, This guy isn't a rideshare company. But that's just my guess. <laughs> well,
1: they can have the documents. I mean, I am registered,
0: <laughs> right? I mean, but I'm just they—they they probably don't have your documents, though, right? I mean,
1: they haven't asked,
0: right? I mean, I would—I would almost tell them like, "Yeah, hey, I have any document you need to show that this is legit," and that's not okay. And but I'm not a big advocate of Facebook anyway, because I think that <laughs> I don't know. I mean, all these platforms are getting weird, but um, I think Facebook has been one of the worst for a long time. Um. But yeah, I don't know. So I see, you know, you've, you've got your delivery, you've got this. I, what, oh, I, we forgot to even touch on what market are you in in Florida?
1: Technically, it's the Jacksonville market going by the gig apps, but I'm down in Putnam County, which is like the lower, uh, what direction is it, west? The lower western side of the market.
0: Okay. So what's the population like where you are?
1: Oh, man. Um, Not big at all. I think the whole county's only got maybe forty thousand people. Okay. And it's I mean it it almost doubles in size since I've been living here, but it's still pretty small, pretty rural.
0: Is it flooded with gig workers like most markets?
1: Oh yeah. Wasn't this bad, you know, when I first started, but since COVID happened, Mm -hmm. it's gotten horrible.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, since COVID started recovering. I think (laughs) because in the beginning of COVID you couldn't onboard enough people for delivery. They were, everybody wanted delivery in the, in the very beginning, there weren't even enough drivers in most markets, even littler ones, you know, it was kind of weird. But I think that's because it was at that point in April when nobody knew what the heck was going on and they were all just not willing to go out at all. So, you know, anybody that would be willing to deliver their food, it was like, well, yeah, let's do that. (laughs) But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, have you? I mean, so you worked straight through the pandemic? Yep. Yep. Um, obviously, I mean, like all other markets, in the beginning, you probably did much, much better. You got those big cash tips. You got the, you know, all the. I mean, everybody I know who, even people who hadn't done delivery ever and done rideshare, who pivoted on that one day when the CARES Act got released and we knew about COVID who pivoted to delivery only they were raging with money in almost every market. I know um, you know, the ones that are less paying, the ones that are bigger paying, whatever. Um, but they were raging and um, yeah, I'm sure that uh, well, it's kind of the same for you, but I know. So, okay. So what do so you prefer that you've done rideshare, You've tried uh, Instacart. um or you've done Instacart, but now you prefer the delivery platforms. I hear this all the time from people that they prefer the delivery platforms. Why and which ones, which is your favorite um, or which one is most used?
1: I prefer delivery because it's a lot less mileage for uh, the same amount of money or more money. Mm -hmm. And I can stay close at home Because when I was doing uh, Uber and Lyft I had to go all the way out to Jacksonville Which is a good like hour and a half, two hour drive away from me Because out here There's just no need for it Um, The delivery I can stay closer to home Less mileage Same amount of money to more money And my favorite platform Aside from my service would probably be DoorDash They keep me a little bit busier Uber Reach is almost non-existent um instacart the orders come but the big ones flash like that and it's gone off the screen
0: hmm. yeah.
1: instacart claims to know about is happening and where are we go on year two years now of this crap and they haven't figured it out yet
0: well we we all know that that's the bots stealing the yeah. orders and then i mean i've i've even seen as low as it can go i've seen people who have bots out there stealing the orders and then reselling them oh shit I mean, it's it's gotten so about beyond tragic. Like, Instacart should have got on it when everybody was talking about there being bots. And I know that's a tough issue to tackle, but it's when you have the, the money that a company like Instacart has, you have the money to have a bigger development team to fix issues like that before they get too far out of hand. Because now the fact that people can put out bots and retrieve them and sell the orders is just beyond ridiculous. I mean... I mean, I know people are really like floating their information out there on this one to be able to take those bot orders, but these bot orders can collect like a bunch for you. And it's, I don't know, it's a pretty pathetic service. I wouldn't trust the type of people who are doing it. It's absolutely illegal. against goes against the terms of service on every level. And I should know because um, I have been with Para for a while now and uh, we have dealt with DoorDash on a legal <laughs> basis. <laughs> so. I don't know if you used para when we had it when we had it yeah. going. Yeah,
1: it was pretty nice. It was a game. It
0: was a game changer. But it our whole our whole all, our whole argument was, um, you know, then you guys do it. We weren't even looking. To, you know, when they came at us, it was like it was funny because it was like, you know, cease just says take this down, and we were like, no, you know, or yeah, okay, we'll take it down, but you put it back up. We're getting the information from you. You have it. Put it up for people to see. They, they deserve to see it. It's, you know, you can't withhold information from ICs. And, and it was funny because they were like, well, you have, you know, till this date. And on that date, we, we, were, we, were, we took it down and we replied to them saying that during the week they could contact us or they could put tip transparency up or one week from that day at the exact same time we were putting it back up. And we did exactly that. We waited the week. They didn't contact us. Um, This was our attorney's advice, too, that this was okay. And we put it back up and then, uh, or we went the week, nothing heard from them, nothing. And we put it back up. And like within an hour, we had another cease and desist, but this one was a little more heavy handed. It was definitely like, even our lawyer was like, take it down. No. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, I guess, you know, we knew, we knew, I I wrote an article called uh, David and Goliath. If you know, David Pickerell is the CEO and founder of Para. Um, And he's, you know, he's somebody I talk to all the time, but I wrote an article and did a podcast on David and Goliath because, you know, it was it was exactly that. And, you know, I had some people say to me, well, yeah, but David wins. And I'm like, well, David did win. David exposed and Para exposed what the hell was going on. Right. I mean, we showed people that look, guys. You could, you should have this information. You should have this much information. You should have the tip. You should see the full amount. And it's even in their data bank. We weren't making this stuff up. We were getting it from them. Right. So, I mean, this is what DoorDash has. They just they choose not to show you anything real. You know, it's and again, they they claim cherry picking. And I've had this discussion with a lot of people. So I'll be interested to know your take. So a lot of people loved Para, but the, some of the people who didn't said, all you've done is you've made people with Para, or Para's made just people on board more onto DoorDash. Now, this is a two part. I used to say to that part, no, we didn't. These were already DoorDashers who just wanted to earn more. People weren't like at home going, huh, there's something called Para. I think I'm going to sign up for DoorDash now. That wasn't happening. They, these were DoorDashers who just saw the Para as a tool and were like, okay, well, I'm going to use that. And then the other part was, is that, you know, they say that, well, um, I actually had people say, you know, saying that by using Para, uh, you're cheating. And I was like, man, you got the you got the game backwards then, because the people cheating are DoorDash. Right. You know, the people using the platform, what by they're cheating by knowing all the information. That used to be my take, anyway. I was, I was always confused because a lot of these big dashers too were really against para, at least vocally, publicly. You know, there was a, there was a, I was, I was very confused by how many people were. I mean, way more people were into para, obviously, but there was a good amount of people who were like, "No, you shouldn't be doing this." And I was like, "You're right, Doordash should. You're absolutely right." But if they're not gonna, we we've been working on tools for gig workers for years or you know since the pandemic started right so a year and a half david and i've been working on projects and then para got formed and now you know we're always working on stuff we're trying to figure out more stuff so it's i mean you know quit being deceitful with the workers and and we don't have to we don't want to do that either but a lot of people came down on us and said that you know what we were doing was wrong and uh um you know that you know we were cheating the system and i th- and it came down, oh, it came down to when they were saying about the onboarding, they said that you know, you're just causing more people to come on the platform. And I said, look, I said, and they said you can tell by the acceptance rates. And I that's when I was like, that's BS. I said, because before we did anything, acceptance rates were already at five to ten percent. Right. People weren't <laughs> people weren't at 90, 90, 95%. And para came in and they went to two. That didn't happen. You were at like four. And you probably stayed at four, maybe moved to three or f- even to five. I don't know. But really, the percentages of your acceptance didn't change too much. I mean, you, I, whenever people say that to me, I'm, I'm I always am like, can you send me a screenshot of your acceptance? And then most, I mean, I've had a couple, but barely ever do they because I know that they know they're like, I would have never used para because blah, blah. And I'm like, then send me a screenshot of your acceptance and your ride count. And they would just not do it because they knew, well, my, my acceptance is 5%, even though I don't use para. Well, then you can't claim that argument. You know, I don't know how you feel, but I don't think para had anything to do with acceptance. It just had to, I mean, call it cherry picking, if you will, but it was a forced hand at cherry picking because DoorDash wouldn't be honest with its customers.
1: I definitely think cherry picking existed long before power did. I mean, everybody's out there trade. I mean, anybody who's actually trying to make a, make money at this is out there only taking the orders that look like they might benefit us, you know, financially. So,
0: which is why acceptance matter or acceptance rate doesn't even matter. I mean, we all, we all know uh, this. I know that they've been trying a couple tricks lately. Um, you know, like they, I what is it that I heard recently that they can pause you. Yeah. if you If you've been letting too many down, but it's funny because these are people who have had a five percent acceptance rating who have done like six, eight thousand you know dashes, and now they're getting paused. that never existed before, or I don't know of it. Maybe it did. But I don't think people were getting paused for acceptance rate ever in the past, were they?
1: Not that I'm aware of, and it just started happening to me too. i mean i I bounced from twenty to forty percent acceptance rate. And normally I can go a good while before it'll pause me. Now I think every like two to three orders I decline, I get paused. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. So uh, it's definitely something new.
0: See, and I don't, I don't like the word decline because I think of it more like not accepted. Right. It's not like you're declining. You're just not, You're not accepting that order because it doesn't look good to you. And that's what an IC right. does. But, yeah, I mean, like it's I don't know. I've always thought it's kind of weird the way it works where you can pick up an order and then drop it because that really can screw up with the system and screw with your with your with the people at the final end who are who have ordered the food. It could take a long time. Drivers are switching. So I could see things like that. like if you accepted dashes and then dropped them and somebody else had to pick it up and take it. I could see that putting you on a pause, but not accepting like if three rides come through and you're able to go, nope, nope, nope. That shouldn't put you on a pause.
1: It shouldn't, but it does.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure is there is there a number to it? Do you know? I mean, is how what is it to get you paused?
1: Well, for me on average, about three uh, rejections, I guess you can say. Um, but other people will say that, that they go about 10. I've heard some people tell me that they was closer to 20.
0: So as long as you take one out of the next three, they won't pause you. But if you don't, they'll pause you. Right. And for how long?
1: Unless I unpoison myself, it'll go for about half an hour. And if I don't unpoison within that half an hour, it, turn, it turns my uh, dash off. Oh, wow. So
0: and and then But then what? Then when can you come back on?
1: As soon as DoorDash Field is busy enough to let me... <laughs> Uh, if i had I mean, that I'd be able to just hop back on again but i'm nowhere near that
0: <laughs> right but that's what i'm saying like i mean for an open platform that that wants to have independent contractors and we want to be independent contractors they sure are fighting the battle for the other side making it appear like these guys all want to be independent contractors but we sure would love them to be employees and i always think like this is how people are viewing this you know, people are viewing that by you doing this, that how could they not force a hand to make you make people be employees and which would be a failure to the gig economy because 85% of us work 25 hours or less a week. And in delivery, um, I think it's around 10 hours or less is like 85%. So, I mean, without, if you change that flex model, you don't, you won't have enough people. Not only will there be franchise models or, whatever they go to, but you won't have enough people because people will have jobs. They'll get fired. Turnover will be high and they won't be able to afford to have all these drivers on. So it's, I don't know. Um, It's just, it's just crazy to me that, uh, that these apps handle things the way they do with everything going on in different States and whatnot. And they need to be proving themselves as independent contractor platforms. And they're kind of fighting the battle the other way. Right. Well, we're trying to stay ICs. And it's like, you guys got to quit pulling things away. You got to, you know, I mean, I know we all have our thoughts on it, but like, I mean, I don't know, this pulling down like the base pay, this not giving any information. I think one thing that Para did really good was, you know, we exposed to so many, like how much information you should have on DoorDash. Right. You know, and I think that a lot of people were really taken offhand with like oh my gosh how do they know all that when really if you've used doordash you know how how you should know all that because you know as the customer if you're using it what you're paying you know you get to the flow screen for a tip you're putting it in so as the driver you should also if you've ever used it wonder why am I not seeing all that information they're putting in why do I see this you know little tiny amount for base pay and a, and I'm not sure what the current one is but you know we always hated the this includes a tip of whatever it is, $2 or more, $3 or more. I always, I always hated the or more. Like that's not, (laughs) I think that's what got us really angered by all this was you can't do that. You can't just say like, go do this job and then we'll give you some money. How much? I don't know. (laughs) It's in this envelope, but we're not going to open it till you do it. You know, like, come on. I mean, I don't know that's why what what i see in you is i mean i would think that you'd want to be building everything out your grocery delivery your i you know any airport rides home i would be hitting every person up and it's like you've already got it going you know you've got a lot of things well, going know, I'm here
1: focusing on the delivery but uh <clears throat> the person i have up in georgia wants me to expand the rides up there too it's like well let's get one thing going up there at a, <laughs> at a time once that's up and running then we'll go into <clears throat> um, but I'm hoping that through how I'm set up, I can kind of take a lot of people away from DoorDash, both customers and the contractors. <clears throat> because one, my the way I charge is a lot easier on the eyes of the customers because you don't, don't have, there's no commissions to the merchants. It's a, it's a completely free thing to them. I'm not taking any of their money. I, think it, I mean, the profit margin is slimming up as it is. And the customers have one fee. That's a delivery fee. <laughs> There's not a, well, there, you got your delivery fee, your service charge, or this charge, or that. No, it's one delivery fee. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that works is delivery only is a flat $15. doesn't matter the distance. Um, but it, if we have to go and order for you, or if it's a grocery order, and we got to go in and shop for you, uh, if it's below um, $100 for the, the total grocery um, order, you pay between 20 and 25 bucks, depending on you know what store you're shopping. Um, if it goes above that mark, then you're paying 20 and 25%, depending on the store. Right. So you always know how much how much you're paying. And then out of that, not only does the driver do the driver see, well, where do they got to go and where's the customer, but they get the entire tip shown to them plus 40% of the of the delivery fee goes to them, shown to them. So they got all the information right there. And then out of the remaining 60%, I got to cover it all, all the employment, you know taxes uh, for my management. I got to pay management. I got to pay all the other overhead. That you no. Know. And so I think it works out to where I, if I'm lucky, I have like two and a half percent left to myself.
0: <laughs> right.
1: But I'm trying to be fair to, like, you know, all involved, you know, low enough for the customers, high enough pay to, to the drivers.
0: Well, I mean, See when you're, and, and yeah. And working on the hundred dollar point, that's 15%. That's not bad. I mean, that's what you, A, that's what you should be tipping, but you're just talking about the service. Um, so there should absolutely be a place for a tip on top too, um, you know, whether it be cash or not, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how people aren't buying, how people aren't starting to love services like what you do or a dumpling or something like that, where they can get their personal shopper. Because, you know, when we were talking about the dumpling platform, um, you know, some, some interesting things were brought up, like how people can, uh, You know, maybe they're, um, maybe they're vegan and maybe they're a very specific type of vegan. You don't have to take the closest shopper to you. You can look through the shoppers a bit. You might find somebody who eats exactly like you do vegan, paleo, whatever. And that's that to me, if you're paleo, you would want to find a paleo shopper, not just somebody who can go get you some paleo stuff, but people who eat it themselves. Right because I know that shopper is going to be much more in tune with me than just somebody who goes and picks up the order, the items and doesn't know anything about them. Right. So I don't know that, 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 you know, like fine tuned. I understand your shopping needs. Well,
1: as I go, I am trying, I'm going to try to do that as I build out. Um, like I said, most of what I'm doing, I took, I'm taking from, you know, prior business experience. I have had other businesses before this, um, so this is my my first rodeo. It's just my first time in this industry, and then I'm taking my experience from you know the only apps i worked for, and considering because I'm mentioning Dumpling, I <laughs> Dumpling is how I how I started out. Mm-hmm. But a lot, if I don't know, I mean, you said you spoke to the CEO, which I don't want to talk ill about him personally, but the people that he employs have the worst customer service attitudes. And then the direction they started to pull the the company in scared off a lot of of dumpling people, dumpling business owners. One, as a dumpling business owner, we're your customers. Our customers are not your customers. We're the ones paying your bill. Mm -hmm. So when they started messing around with how the DBOs are allowed to charge their own customers, that scared a lot of people off. And it kind of gave me a bad taste in my mouth too, but I had, just recently started with them when they made all these changes so i didn't really have that many customers yet um but what got me into talking to a app developer who's working on my own custom app which offers far more flexibility to dumplings um is they don't really allow much room for expansion if i want to expand i'm i can only add five additional cards to my account and each of those five people have to have full access to my account. Like, well, how come I can't give them a, a sub-account? Like, why do they got to have access to everything?
0: Well, but as I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, if you have five cards, they're all tied to you, you're subbing it out. So it's your business.
1: Right, but that the sub-user needs to log in through your credentials. To, to oh, see the
0: Oh, I see, I see what you're I, saying. Why can't they?
1: Several times, it kept on getting brought back to me that, well, they're aware of it. Apparently, there was hundreds of DBOs over the years that were complaining about that. Well, then why don't you do something about it? So now here I am spending thousands of dollars and have my own app created that I can do that with because I need my management to have their own cards. I, I need my drivers to have all their own cards, but I I don't want them having access to my account. Like why should they? Why should uh? uh, I don't want to make it sound like I'm looking down on the shoppers and the no no. But why would somebody at that level need access to my corporate bank account?
0: So, as I understood it from one of their biggest earners, who's in Miami, I I cannot remember her handle, but she's like one of the biggest dumpling earners. She had a bunch under her, and the way I think she did it. And again, correct me if I'm wrong, because I only know about it from talking with uh, people who have used it and um, with their CEO and, have, and this was a while ago back. But uh, um, she had her credit cards and then she had people who she used. And what she did was took all the orders and would just say, hey, I need you to go get this. And here's a card. And she took all the orders on herself. Um, so however, she was breaking that apart later so that the taxes all didn't fall on her. I don't know that portion, you know, because otherwise it would look like she earned everything.
1: Right. The only real way to do that would be to, you know, screenshot the orders or whatever, and then final charge it out after the the chopper, you know, rang up at the, at the cashier at the register. Mm-hmm. That's really the only way to do it without them having the app themselves because they'd have to log into your credentials.
0: Right, but maybe that's what she is doing. Or maybe she has her own system of like an Excel sheet that she just inputs real quick.
1: I just don't trust people that much to give them. I mean, even my the person I have who's going to be launching from me up in Georgia, they're going to have, I'm creating, the way my, I'm saying my bank account for that is they're going to have a sub-account underneath mine that they can use for Georgia. And that account they'll be able to access, but they won't be able to touch or even see the funds in the primary corporate account. Because even though i got them you know running an entire state for me and we've already discussed that if i like how they take care of georgia i'm going to have her replace herself i'm going to bump her up to regional and go into another and get another state going i'm still not going to have trust her with you know full access to anything i mean
0: i think that at least as i remember it i think that the way i think that you know, that was a thing that they wanted to really build out. I don't know how much they're putting into it. I do remember that there was a dual uh card where you had two. And I remember that he had told me that that was created because they, they had so many couples. And in that case, it made a lot of sense. That was
1: be the same credentials, though. So, and yeah, in that case, it makes well, sense. Well, but for, if, if, can't, if you can't trust
0: your wife with your doubling account, what can you trust her right. <laughs> with?
1: Well, them. But to me, well, if you want to hire a brother or sister, yeah, but I'm not. One, my family's all the way up in New York, and two, my family, I really wouldn't trust them <laughs> anyway. So, like, so that that one issue there, aside from everything else they're pulling and their excessively high processing rates, is causing a lot of people to go off on their own. A lot mm. of them are, are coming up with really ridiculous setups through um Square and another because they can't afford to have their own app built, unfortunately. Um, And then you got people like me who are spending extra money in having our own app built, which is taking forever in a day. It started out really simple. Like I told him, I literally wanted a copy, copy dumpling. Um, Then when he mentioned that he has his own delivery service too out there in California. So he's trying to work his business model plus my model into the one software, which would give us both the extra flexibility. I kind of, started well can we do this can we do that so a simple project now turned into a ridiculous project that (laughs) still hasn't been completed but he's telling me you know within a couple of months it should finally get done so
0: at least some sort of beta i mean we've been at it with para for a while i mean we watched it grow way too quickly and we were trying to put out fires and fix things all the time and so i mean we're we're always in beta so i know we got a little bit sidetracked um that happens on this show often because uh that's why we like to be organic and uh see what happens whenever we do this but uh um one of the reasons we were talking to red today and we talked about a little in the start was that uh and it's something we also talk about here on the show from time to time is that you know this is your own business make sure that you run it how you should and um I didn't get a chance to say so. Red, you know, what are what are your final thoughts on this or messages to people coming into the gig world who not just you know think they'll make it and don't and then get out, but the ones who really are gonna give it a go be at this. What do you know, what do you got to say?
1: Well, if you're gonna go long term, whether it be part-time or if you're especially if you want to come in full-time, I recommend looking at more than just gas as an expense. I mean, I see a lot of people on Twitter in particular. But also on Facebook mentioning, well, gas only cost me X amount, so I profited X dollars. No, you didn't. You still have your extra insurance costs. And you have all the wear and tear. And all this costs money. How many oil changes do you do a month? That's an expense. Now, break that expense down over you know every day that you work. That goes into operational costs. Your daily gas is an operational cost. Your, each day of your insurance is an operational cost. You got to add all that up. And people don't realize that. And yeah. then when they, people, I've seen people, you know, try to do this on a full time scale and quit after a few months. I'm not making anything. Well, right. Because when you're doing a dollar a mile, for example, it, it looks good on paper. It might cover the gas costs, but it's not covering your insurances. You know, the extra apps you might have. I know people um, pay for uh, premium app services. Mm-hmm. Well, that still costs money, tax right off or not. It still costs money. You got to that up front. You got to figure all to- that in.
0: Toll roads. I mean, Right. There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that I know that people leave out too. it. I mean, it just happens and, and he's right people. I mean, if you're not, if you're not weighing in everything, you're not really getting a, a real snapshot of how you're doing. Um, the real snapshot I guess would come when rents do <laughs> and you might be a little <laughs> short, you know, It's yeah. and that's when you don't want it to reality to hit, you know? So the reality is, you know, create, I mean, even if you don't, you know even if you don't work on computers in excel or any of that and um, even though there's some great ones out there to start with but uh, if you don't if you just don't do computer stuff for your budgets even pen and paper paper still works but you know make sure you're really using some sort of ledger system where you're accounting for all of your um, business because you know part of being the business is paying all the bills and and the daily day to day expenses and uh, miscellaneous expenses and everything that comes with it
1: Right.
0: So, all right, Red, thanks for coming on and uh, we'll talk soon.
1: All right, thanks for having me.
0: Yep. Well, thanks to Red for coming on. Um this was a uh an interesting episode. Um I've I've known Red through social media for a little bit. Um hadn't really ever dove in with him before on what he does specifically other than I know he runs all his businesses off his website. Um so interesting stuff. Uh, if you haven't gone back and listened to the bonus episodes from this weekend, please do. And this week on Friday, we will be starting the Jason Thierry and I from the Gig Economy podcast, and myself will be joining the crew at TNC tncradio.live for a live show um, every Friday night from 4 to 6 Pacific, 5 to 7 Mountain, 6 to 8 Central, and 7 to 9 Eastern Time. And, uh... Other than that, I just want to give some propers and shouts out to uh, curry, curry curry.com. Make sure you guys sign up to be a driver on my driver's link in the show notes. And I will go through and fix the other show notes too. But um, curry.com, people, um, get on it, do hotshot runs, do routes. I got some videos that I'm going to be making on doing the routes and whatnot. And I can kind of walk you through a day. I've talked to people who have signed up through me who were having trouble getting curry rides, and now they are. And uh, and it looks like they're getting the kind of good pay I'm talking about. So get on there. Get signed up. What are you waiting for? Click my my referral link and get over there. Sign up for curry. We all work lots of platforms. Why aren't you on this one? All right, guys, that's it. Uh, go out there and spin some positive into this world, and I will see you back here next week on Rodeo. Peace.